0: We're going to go ahead and get started into our Lesson 8. Lesson 8 means that there's only um, one more lesson in this series. So uh, we are rapidly finishing up. And uh, tonight we're going to be looking at something that, uh, although it is, uh, seems a little more positive in the sense of the parent as encourager, um, there is some some hard things that we have to begin with as well uh, because um, they are things that we can oftentimes... Um, persist in and um and continue to have this attitude in our hearts so but uh you know we go from being the parent as disciplinarian uh to the parent as teacher and now a parent as encourager and then um next week or two weeks from now we'll be going into the parent as evangelist so uh i don't know if you guys knew that you were an evangelist but um if another other no other place uh it is in your own home so I'm looking forward to uh, picking that up with you in a couple of weeks, um, and but tonight we're going to be looking at the parent as encourager, and before we go further, let's uh, bow in a word of prayer. Father, I am grateful for the privilege to be able to gather with these uh, fine folks this evening, uh, to be able to open up um, the passages uh, that we will study, and to um, help us to see uh, the important uh, realities of, of what you have called us to uh, in parenting and and how clear you have been in those responsibilities as well as uh, what they uh, what they look like and and how we uh, fully live those out uh, help our time uh, to be honoring to you um, our speech to be encouraging and edifying uh, may we um, be a blessing to one another even as we share as we communicate back and forth with one another about these truths. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, well, uh, for those of you that have your Bible with you, uh, would somebody be willing to look up Ephesians 6.4 for me and Colossians 3.21? So somebody with uh, Ephesians 6.4 and then someone else with Colossians 3.21. I believe it's probably there on your notes, but uh, it's always good to turn to the Word and uh, in, in the hard copy there. You got it, Mr. Rick? Okay. Fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Good job. Okay. Fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And Colossians 3.21, very similar. Go ahead. Fathers do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Very good. All right. Thank you, guys. It says, if if you're going to be a biblical parent, then you must be the conduit of tremendous amount of encouragement, a tremendous amount of encouragement. We have talked about this over and over again uh, throughout this entire study, especially earlier on when we were looking at the parents' goals, uh, before that, looking at the parents' priorities, and then looking at the ch- parents' challenges, um, and then also now into the parents' roles. Uh, we have... Um, we have been coming alongside all these truths, looking at how they affect each one of us and ultimately how they affect our children. But, but really, when we were looking at them, uh, oftentimes we may seem more negative when we're coming along, uh, coming down in the side of discipline and instruction, like you're getting after your child, like, don't do this don't do that, stop doing this, stop doing this. And so you're oftentimes becoming the uh, the negative parent. Uh, and we said that we don't want to be in that realm, though. Even though we do have the authority and God has given us that instruction to say, don't do this and stop doing that, we also have to be that encouragement as well. And uh, we, we really have to... Um, Work hard at this, because our natural inclination is to see other people's sins, right? You know, it's very hard for us to see the log in our own eye, but so easy for us to see, whoa, what are you thinking? That's ridiculous. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's foolish. Why would you even consider that? Well, that means that if that's easy for us to do, we have to strive and work hard in the spirit of the Lord in order to do the other part, which is the encouragement, the encouragement. And so um, a biblical parent must be a conduit of a tremendous amount of encouragement. And like us, our children live to be challenged and encouraged about how they're doing. And like us, they are helped when they know they're making progress. You know, how do we encourage our children? How do we how do we encourage them? How do we lift them up? How do we uh, point them in the right direction without always uh, smacking them on the back of the hand or saying no, don't do that or stop doing that. Why would you do that? You know, well, one important way, according to Ephesians six four and Colossians three twenty one, and this may seem very obvious to you, but is to avoid being a discouragement to them. Avoid being a discouragement to them. And you're like, wow, that's so profound, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand that's it's probably in your, in your thoughts. But, but these verses present some very strong terms that, that must be understood. First, looking at Ephesians 6.4, don't provoke to anger. And then Colossians 3.21, don't exasperate. Don't provoke to anger, don't exasperate. Oftentimes when we're looking at don't provoke to anger, um, we're thinking of our children, and like, don't provoke one another to anger. Why are you stir- pestering? Why are you stirring one another up? Why are you doing that? Or husband, why do you keep doing that to them? You're pestering them. <laughs> you're, you're provoking them to anger. Um, or uh, not typically the wife, but maybe that is the case in some families. But uh, but here, uh, Paul blatantly says, don't fathers do not provoke your children. And this word means to excite or to stimulate in a negative sense, and it carries the idea of irritate. How many of you have ever been irritated? There's lots of ways that we can be irritated. It can be a simple uh, word that is said. Uh, We can think of irritation in other ways where certain things irritate your skin. You know, you put something or you touch something uh, that is an irritant to your skin. And it meaning that it is not supposed to be there or it's not supposed to uh, have uh, any contact with your skin. And so it's going to bring up some sort of bad uh, response. And that's really what the word is that is being used here to excite or stimulate in a negative sense to irritate. And the strength of the term makes this warning uh, uh, this verse a warning to parents. Since it's a present tense, this warning that parents must strive to heed continually day after day in every life situation. One of the things that we're, we're going to look at is how do we irritate and what brings up is even re- revolving around anger. Anger. As we already said, a parent must at times oppose their children. Lesson two, we, we went over that. But this, op- op- uh, this opposition may provoke moments of resistance from the child and obvious displeasure on his part. Now, again, that may seem, seem like a duh statement, but this is not the anger spoken of in Ephesians 6.4. Instead, the Holy Spirit is referring to parents provoking children to an angry, wrathful, impulsive lifestyle. This is not something that's just uh, they're irritated, agitated in the moment. That's not what Ephesians 6.4 is talking about. This is talking about an angry and wrathful, impulsive lifestyle. This is really their disposition. This anger includes open rebellion, passive resentment, like stubbornness, indifference, or apathy. This is not something that is just in, uh, in one moment that you have irritated or stirred up. This is looking at the prolonged effects of a constant nagging, a constant irritant. Exasperate. Exasperate. Do you use that word in your daily uh, vocabulary very often? Well, another strong term, which means uh, to cause your child to lose heart, to be discouraged. Have you ever Seen that Uh, you probably wanted to forget it, but you ever seen that in the heart or in the eyes of your child, where you've you just brought them to the point and they're just there's that complete discouragement. They lose heart. It's like I can't I can't continue to do this, or there's no way I can live up to this standard, or there's no way that I can fulfill this role or this obligation, or or I'm just not good enough. Well, Colossians three twenty one is the only place in the New Testament. Where this word appears and carries the idea of having no spirit, being sullen, listless, or having a discouraged disposition. And the child may obey, but there is something missing. You ever seen that? Where a child will be compliant, but it's just being compliant for compliance sake or just because they don't want to deal with the the issue anymore. They don't want to deal with mom or dad's nagging anymore. No pleasant spirit exists in the relationship between the parent and the child. Instead, the child is embittered, they're frustrated, they're living in resentment and despair, and the child may even view life as a hopeless condition. Remember what I said. <laughs> Although we're looking at the parent as encourager, we're starting off in a pretty, pretty sullen um, situation here in the moment. But though the terms used in are different, Ephesians six four and Colossians three twenty one are parallel. They're both describing something different than momentary expressions of anger or discouragement that a child may exhibit. Instead, the Holy Spirit is warning parents not to inflame anger or irritate to a point where the child cannot see an end to oppression. Obviously, the biblical parent will want to avoid sin that fosters such a response by their children. And specifically then, how do parents provoke anger and exasperate, uh, or an exasperation in their, ch- in their children? What must parents avoid? Those are good questions, and that's what we're going to try to answer. And parents can provoke and, ex- and exasperate children by what they don't do and what they do do. Yeah, I just said that, but <laughs> examples of these may be. <laughs> somebody just caught that. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thankfully, we're past that. Well, maybe a couple of us, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not looking at anybody specific. Yeah, examples of these may be thought of as sins of omission and sins of commission. First. We will address the sins of omission. Sins of omission. What are, what are sins of omission? Can anybody help me with that? You should have done and didn't,
1: didn't
0: do. Should have done and didn't do. Yeah. Didn't do, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all in the that's, that's in the. <laughs> See, I told you. There was those. Those, those one. Yeah. <laughs> what parents don't do. That can provoke and exasperate children. What parents don't do that can provoke and exasperate children. Not consistently disciplining and instructing their children. This is something that we we spoke about going all the way back to some of the first lessons. Not consistently disciplining and instructing their their children. Not being consistent in the habits and also being on the same page. Ephesians 6.4 Do not provoke your children to anger, but... Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Scripture is clear with us, uh, the use of the conjunct- conjunction but in Ephesians 6.4, that the most obvious way to frustrate your child is by abdicating your responsibility and consistently disciplining and instructing your child. So in other words, what God has called you to do, what he has told you to do, if you don't do that, you are abdicating your responsibility And therefore, you're going to actually stir up this irritation in your child because there's no consistency. The the child doesn't know, okay, if I do this this time, then dad's going to respond this way. If I do it this time, then dad's going to, you know, last time I was okay, this time I'm not okay. What's the deal? So what are we we trying to find here? Parents who ignore their responsibility to fulfill all that these terms mean. If we go all the way back to Lessons 4, through seven, or who don't take the responsibility seriously, they run the risk of provoking and exasperating their children. Children need the training and teaching that their parents provide, and when they don't receive it, they may be prone to frustration due to the fact that their parents really don't care to put forth the effort to bring them up. This is this is an important reminder for us. It's an important uh, uh, self-reflection moment where we need to consider Um, where is our priority where is our priority is our priority ourselves which society wants to tell us that now that you know do this for yourself think of yourself make sure that you're happy because if you're not happy no one else is going to be happy and so on and so on that's not the that's not the words of the bible that's not what god has called us to do or be but parents must strive to maintain a proper balance between discipline and instruction. The parents who are inconsistent, they're irregular, they're unpredictable in the training of their children can be guilty of provoking their children to exasperation. This especially means avoiding two extremes. Excessive control and no limits. Excessive control and no limits. These are the two Um, the two polar opposites that that we're going to focus on right now. Excess of control. This is manifested by the creation of too many rules and restrictions, rules that are pointless, or in rules that are harsh and too strict. Who do you think of in the Bible when we refer to this? Anybody? What about the Pharisees? Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, (laughs) sorry, maybe I was going too quick there. But um, uh, yeah, the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees wanted to add law upon law upon law to say, oh, look at me, look at how holy I am, look at how good I am. This is the level that you need to, uh, um, uh, to aspire to in order to be good, in order to be right. They're adding 600 plus laws to the system so that everything will be just perfect and just right. But this, this is really where we as parents can be. We're too many rules, too many restrictions, rules that are pointless, rules that are harsh and too strict. Don't be that walking minus sign saying no to everything. You know what? Sometimes it is okay for us to be goofy and silly. Uh, and that's, that's something I have to remind myself all the time. Um, it's like, Dad, can we do this? This will be fun. And, and I'm thinking, oh, no way. That's ridiculous. And then I have to think, is it really that harmful? Is it gonna? Is anyone going to get hurt? It's probably not always my first question. Um, that may be Jackie's first question. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'm not saying Jackie's a Pharisee. Don't don't read into that by any means. Um, I did not go there. <laughs> um, but at the same, let me dig myself out of that one. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's easy for me to say. You know, rather than just. Maybe I don't want to be inconvenienced in the moment, or maybe uh, this isn't something that uh, I think would, would be the best thing for the moment. Sometimes it's, it's good to be silly and to have fun and, and to be wild and crazy, obviously with, with restriction to that. We have to use wisdom and discernment, but avoid micromanaging your child's life tell them every little thing they uh, by telling them every little thing that they must do depending on the child's age allow some freedoms remember we said that that early on in their life you're trying to set the habits you're trying to set those this is what this is how we do morning time this is how we do noon time this is how we do the evening time you're showing them the pattern of what everyday life should be but then as they get older hopefully you're pulling back the reins on that and they're able to have some consistency. Now, does that mean that you never come back around and say, hey, remember, this is, this is actually how we, we, we do this in our home. This is how we do morning time. This is how we do the evening time. And it's not that you're coming and harping on them, but you're just coming back with a, a, a gentle reminder of that. <laughs> but you're not micromanaging your child's life. Just for illustration, uh, maybe a a parent may end up stifling most of the ideas a child has, rarely letting them try something new. Your child's project may appear senseless to you, but why not let them try it? Look for opportunities to say yes to some of your child's requests and ideas. I had this the other day um, where I was working on a project downstairs, and a couple of the kids were there, and... um, and I'm painting something, so naturally, what what happens? Dad, can I paint something too? That would be great. And I'm thinking, oh, I got to go with this and get this set up, put on this thing, and set all this stuff out. And and it's like, man, it's a lot of hassle. I don't know. And um, they're probably going to make it a mess. And then mom's going to say, why'd you let them paint in that shirt? And all that go stuff goes. And um, and. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, um, <laughs> so you go through that process, and, uh, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not going to have many opportunities like this. So I go and grab some stuff, put it together, and they have a great time, and it's cool, and, and you know they're they're enjoyable, and or they're enjoying it. And mom gets home, and and they're able to see, hey, mom, look what look what we painted with that. So you know, those are, those are times where it may be inconvenience to us or it may be something that um, in our minds it's like they can't handle that. But let them be creative. Let them have that time. But here we're looking at um, a little more serious of, of situation, but excessive control can be a problem because of wrong motives for discipline. Excessive control can be problem because of wrong motives for discipline. Hebrews twelve five through eleven reminds parents that their motivations ought to be when or, or what their their motivations ought to be when they discipline their children. Proper motivations include this again. This is Hebrews twelve five through eleven. I believe this is on your your notes actually. But verse six is love for your child. Verse ten, cultivating holiness. Verse eleven, training toward the peaceful fruit of righteousness. A discipline should be for the glory of God and the benefit of the child, not merely our own convenience. <clears throat> Often this imbalance between excessive control and no limits occurs because the motive for training is wrong. Wrong reasons for developing rules and attempting to excessively control our children through them may include, and I'm giving you some examples here, elevating preference. Over biblical principle, this is another thing we've talked about. We're rehashing some things that we've already gone through. Elevating preference over bi- biblical <coughs> principle. Some parents are prone to emphasize rules that really don't reflect the Bible at all. Instead, rules reflect personal preferences. There's nothing inherently wrong with maintaining some rules which re- which flow out of personal preferences. Uh, for example, you know what. Um, You know, how we uh, how we conduct ourselves at maybe a family Bible study time, uh, what words you may choose to use as a family and what you may not choose to use as a family. You know, how you choose to dress as opposed to how another family chooses to dress, what kind of music you choose to listen to as opposed to what others choose to listen to. These are these are these are most likely not biblical principles, but mainly referring to preference. But sometimes these rules relate to developing a safe environment or to the need of maintaining some measure of control so that there isn't utter chaos in the home. And I totally get that. You know, when you get to a certain number of kids, everything that you begin to fine-tune as best you can, a lot of that is just to maintain order within the home. But you can even then still become um, uh, too hard on those preferences but care must be taken to avoid equating them with biblical commands, or allowing them to become excessive, excessive in number, oftentimes. Also, <clears throat> another thing that that can uh, creep in is is laziness, laziness. Now I'm looking at my audience and most everyone that I, all all the view that I'm looking at this evening. I would not deem as lazy, and even if you were, I may not even be that bold to say so, but this parent who is lazy isn't willing to take the time to think things through. Excessively controlling the child allows this kind of parent freedom from having to make difficult decisions. For example, it, it's it's easier just to say no. That goes back to what I was saying earlier in that moment of, you know, I don't, I don't want to deal with that right now, or it's not really something that's going to... Uh, I don't want to expend all the energy that it takes to do that, and so I'm just going to put it aside. Procrastination in doing what is right is another example of laziness. Instead of getting up and disciplining a child in the moment when you know that you should, I'm just too tired right now, and, you know, things have gone on too, too long. I just can't do it anymore. That may be your mindset, but friends, that is really laziness. Another one is fear. Fear. This parent is afraid of failure, both in himself and in his child. Parents who make excessive rules many times fear how their child will turn out. Thus, they micromanage their child. You're thinking, oh, they're going to become like that person I knew in school who got, got away with everything that they, uh, they wanted, and, and uh, they were given all these things. So I'm going to make sure that I manage all the different areas and restrict certain things so that that doesn't happen because I see how the, that person ended up. Therefore, if I put apples and apples together, this is what I'm going to get. Well, friends, that's not always the case. Parents may also fear personal embarrassment. So they discipline based upon what others may think. This parent compares his children to other children and his parenting uh, uh, so that uh, to that of other pair, uh, families. And this kind of comparison can exasperate a child and provoke him to anger. It's not even always just the hey, why can't you be more like Johnny or why can't you be more like Susie? It's just a matter of 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 at times. Being around other families, and you're starting to tighten up things real quick, and your children can read into, yeah, mom and dad sees we're we we're around the Prusak, so we got to get things straight because they got all the stuff straight in their house, and uh, that's right, Tom. Yeah, and uh, you know, and that's and that and you know, and and our, your children will begin to see how you behave even in that context. So be aware of that. Your children can read into those things just as well as if you were just saying, hey, why don't you be more like the Prusak kids or why don't you be more like this family? The discipleship process with adult believers is a good example to follow. When a young Christian comes into your life who doesn't understand social graces, who doesn't know what the Bible says about every little area, you you don't impatiently address all the issues all the time. You've probably been in those situations before, where you have a person who maybe just became a believer. They've been saved out of twenty plus years of living a certain lifestyle, and they come in and they say something, and you're like, Ugh. you're like, oh, I can't believe they said that. But you're not going to jump on them and say, hey, come on, straighten up, you know, or sit up, sit straight, sit up straight, tall in your chair. How I mean, you're not going to tell somebody that. And oftentimes, that's how we. Uh, we will handle our children, but we want to be able to show the same grace, the, sh- the same kindness to our children. You wait patiently, instructing them, as Paul even told Timothy to do with the churches, understanding there are mistakes that are basic to life and immaturity. It takes time to grow, it takes time to become mature. We are still in that process. That's so easy for us to forget and not remember. That's why we have to be that example, friends, always going to our children, asking for forgiveness, saying, you know what? Dad fumbled here real bad, and, and I need to ask for forgiveness. But parents who understand their own sanctification process will avoid being an excessive controller. The knowledge of your own growth should temper your parenting so you don't make rule after rule after rule thinking that this somehow protects you from embarrassment of your children from making mistakes. Remember, not every sin in your chi- that your child c- commits, nor every mistake and judgment he makes, will lead to his delinquency down the road. In fact, you should be more concerned with patterns uh, than every individual act. Another way of, of stating it would be this avoid seeking to become the ultimate authority in the life of your child. Avoid seeking to become the ultimate authority in the life of your child. Instead, show him the importance of learning to follow the Lord according to his own conscience. That's really what we're doing through the age of progression. As a child grows early on, you're, you're saying, I am the authority. That's what Dr. Hager and them are, are always showing us and telling us that. Remember, early on, you're setting that stage of, yes, mom and dad are the authority or yes, Miss Holly in the Sunday school class, she is the authority. You listen, you obey, you honor in those things. But as they as they are growing and maturing, ultimately your desire is for them to then realize that it is really me that the child who is going to follow the Lord according according to my conscience. So avoid seeking to become the ultimate authority in the life of your child. If, you're, if your child is 20 years old and they're coming back to you saying, Hey, Dad, um, um, or, 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 or if you are going to get your child when they are 20 years old, uh, commending or not commending them, but rebuking them or, or confronting them on the sin um, all the time in their life, then something has, has gotten off kilter there. You are the ultimate authority rather than God in that moment. Beware. Excessive control will greatly hinder the process of building a vital relationship with your child. Excessive control is one example of imbalance. The other extreme to avoid is no limits, right? No limits. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. We looked at that quite a bit in lessons uh, one and two of, of lesson five part part one and two really part one two and three I think we ended up with in lesson five. First uh, kings one and six one verse six and his father had never crossed him at any time by asking why have you done done so perhaps there there are some uh, homes where everything is okay for the child to do you know, we have that free-range parenting. The, 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 you do whatever you want to do. Whenever you want to do it, everything is, is fine. But the child can do anything he wants. But there are obvious problems with this approach to parenting. For example, no, no limits equals no humility. Why? Because if there are no limits, who is king? They are. That's right. The child is. Without limits, there's no humility on the part of the child because foolishness is bound up in the heart of of a child. Depravity, Pastor Farrell's been preaching on that very faithfully and and doing a great job, depravity will begin to express itself in greater and greater dimensions. Children will rule their own lives rather than humble themselves under the mighty instruction of the Word of God. James 4.10 says, In place of humility, a child who grows up with no limits will be prideful and arrogant, seeing no need for wise counsel. We see so much of that today, and in many years in the past as well. In 1 Kings 1 through 5, David's son, you guys know who that is? Adonijah, had just said, I will be king. We can see why. He had always ruled his own life, so now it was time to rule others as well. Proverbs 11.29 says, He who troubles his own house will inherit wind. But a vivid example of David sowing the wind, no limits, and now reaping the whirlwind, a son who wanted to dispose or to depose him. Friends, this is, this is really the heart of a fool. A fool thinks that he can live without the wise counsel of others. If you have no limits that can point back to the scripture, your child will begin to rule his own life. Believing his own wisdom is sufficient to guide him. Caution your children. Caution your children to examine how strongly they hold to their opinions. It's good for them to, to work through their opinions, to bring the word of God to bear upon their thoughts. But children, in, um, uh, but children in their immaturity often hold their initial opinions like convictions. That's an expression of foolishness. As Solomon said in Proverbs, a child must listen to instruction to gain wisdom. And a wise child loves instruction or learns to love it. So no limits no cleansing of the conscience no limits no cleansing of the conscience no limits you get no humility and no limits you get no cleansing of the conscience Proverbs 20 verse 30 stripes that wound scour away evil and strokes reach the innermost parts the correction of biblical discipline provides a valuable illustration of the concept of just payment On the cross, Christ made just payment for sin. And discipline drives home the seriousness of the child's sin, thus helping him understand the necessity for the atoning work of Christ. It teaches him about the pain of sin's consequences. It impresses upon him the need for the confession of his sin. The confession of sin allows the child to then experience the joy of God's forgiveness and a clear conscience. Friends, this is what we've been saying this entire time is that our goal in parenting is ultimately to point them to the hope that they are without. The hope that they can have, but that they are without. And all this the whole while showing us that discipline, that, that, that correction is actually is actually going to point them in that direction. But if there are no limits, no discipline. The child is not driven to confess his sin. Thus, your child's conscience can become hardened. Continuing disobedience without the cleansing of the confession suppresses the conscience and guilt increases. Um, I'd rec- uh, you have that recommended reading there: "The Vanishing Conscience" by MacArthur. Um, Pastor Farrell also did a series. Um, uh, Nate sent out a link not long ago uh, to the men of Grace and Granite, I think. Was that the one on the, on the conscience? Oh, okay, yeah. But we have a series. Uh, Pastor Farrell had a whole series on the conscience that he preached through. And um, uh, is so helpful when it comes to understanding these things. As Psalm 32 indicates, when sin is not dealt with, one can become angry, irritable, depressed, and even excessively sorrowful. The same is true of a chil- of children. We want the type of um, type of encouraging parent who makes sure the child's limits are responsible and bound up in Scripture. Then we can help the children or the child learn to follow God's word and to understand that they have a need for wise counsel. Much exasperation and hopelessness can be avoided with these principles. And friends, I've seen it a number of times where you just see in the child this this hopelessness, and um, it's almost like they 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 cannot um, uh, aspire to or attain uh, this this level or this goal that mom and dad have set for them. And um, anytime they get around those that maybe um, are encouraging it to them at whatever, it's like they just respond to them in glowing ways because that's really what the child is looking for people say you know oh the child doesn't want the correction the child doesn't want the discipline and really um, yes the natural self does say i don't want the discomfort i don't want the um, the punishment to come but we see the effects of it over time if we neglect that and that's really what psalm 32 is indicating that when sin is not dealt with there are all these other attitudes all these other uh, symptoms that begin to come up as a result you may have even heard a child express this. You know, I am much happier now that I've been disciplined. Now that I've gone through this time of instruction and have, and have confessed my sin, the weight is off my shoulders. Have you ever had that experience before? hasn't happened often but we've had it a couple of times in our house. <laughs> and it's in those moments you're like, oh, thank the Lord, something's working or something's happening, something's happening to this child. Then the next minute they completely undo it, but it's okay. Um, but, yeah, yeah, in those moments where there's confession, there's a confession of, of a deep sin, and, you know, and, 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 and you just see the, the weight of of, the, of that guilt is, is just lifted off of their shoulders. And we in that moment, that's a great moment to help them highlight that you're just highlighting it like crazy like remember this remember this you know what it was like before when you were trying to hide this from mom and dad you're trying to hide this from God which is impossible you could just see on their face that you know something's wrong that there's guilt there's shame there but now that is that burden is lifted even though they may have faced consequences even though there was instruction that was given the weight is off so encourage and help your child by teaching him that uh, what is right and calling him to live by it. If you have no limits or possibly low limits, your child will not respect your authority and will, and will thus try to rule himself and others. If you have no limits or possibly low limits, your child will not respect your authority and will thus try to rule himself and others. There's this other example that's given here. Respect plus relationship equals potential discipleship. A second example of what parents don't do that can provoke and exasperate children is not maintaining involvement in the child's life. This is something that the pastors here and uh, especially Dr. Hager often talk about is that is is that relationship aspect of our parenting. Is we oftentimes think, oh, this is my responsibility. This is uh, I'm coming in to correct and to instruct and to discipline. But it has to be balanced out with that relationship, with that with that love and that and, and that and that compassion with that with that relationship with your child. And so another way to exasperate or provoke your child is not, maintain, not maintaining involvement in the child's life. <coughs> this includes neglecting or ignoring your child. An often quoted uh, survey says that fathers spend an average of 37 seconds a day with their children. I don't know how true that is, but, but you don't want to be known as a shadowy figure from Mount Sinai who leaves before the children go to school, returns after dinner, and hands-down edicts of conduct after church at Sunday, Sunday lunch. Time and effort are important. A common scenario might be, Will you play with me, Dad? Please play with me. And fathers may hear that request many times, and many times they, the response is the same. Not now. Daddy loves you, but I must study. I must teach, meet with someone, work on this project, rest. It can almost become a standard multiple-choice answer, and the child will be able to answer. Dads don't put your wife in the place of constantly having to jump in, volunteering to spend time with your children. You're investing in your inheritance. And I don't mean that, actually, as in your inheritance, as in they're going to provide for you when when you're old and unable to provide for yourself, but... Don't wait for tomorrow. <laughs> Don't wait for tomorrow. Begin investing now, little by little, day by day. If your children rebel or your wife grows weary, you will have inherited the wind, Solomon said. Someday they may reject you. And The, the command in, in Deuteronomy 6-7, to teach when you sit down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way. It demonstrates an active involvement with your child. And you could, you could tell me all day long, oh, yeah, but it's a different culture. And, you know, in those days, dads and children were highly involved with one another. Friends, we can make excuses about anything and everything. Don't make an excuse about this. It's an active involvement with your child. This is an example of a, how a parent looks for ways to spend time with his child during the regular course of life. There's a great benefit to having your child go with you on trips to the store uh, uh, because they, they get to watch you do and, and, and how, how you respond to life. They learn about where you go and the kinds of things that you think about when you're running into people, when you're talking to people. Take your child with you on errands. Go for walks with them. Share snacks and meals with them. Just be together. Be regular with them and when you're with them really be with them give them your complete attention make special memories traditions fun nights take pictures make movies encourage them with with your interest in theirs you encourage your children by spending time with them this does doesn't mean you mu- that 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 you must never miss a soccer game or a school event The issue is whether or not you are communicating to your children on a regular basis that they are important members of your family or that they are important members of your life, that you enjoy spending time with them. Don't miss the events in in their lives as a regular pattern. There are times when you must work. There are times when you must study. There's times when you must teach or meet with someone, but if you are habitually putting off um, any effort to spend with your, the time with your child, they will understand when you just cannot be there. And when it comes to priorities, it may not be a matter of deciding whether or not work, meetings, appointments, etc. are important. They are all important. But are you choosing priorities based upon your own selfish motives? Just make sure you are being balanced in the way you spend your time. Make time investments where it counts. So um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of things here, you know, uh, not maintaining involvement in your, in your child's life. And then third, a third mistake some parents make which can provoke children is not visibly showing love for your spouse. This is a big one. Not visibly showing love for your spouse. Ephesians 5:22 through 33 Titus 2 verse 4 1 John 3:18 you guys can read through those um, those passages but this includes <coughs> arguing, not resolving differences, especially a problem if it's about how to deal with the child, not showing affection towards one another. It's great when your kids see you kiss or hug and they go ooh gross." And that's good. It's good for them to see that. Jackie and I did that before the kids today. Yes, I'm... Jackie's like, great, yeah. I've got to embarrass my wife every once in a while. So, and Not showing affection towards one another. Being con- condescending. A husband's sarcasm toward his wife. i got to watch that for sure. A lack of enthusiasm for your spouse's ideas or plans. Or just indifference. Like, yeah, okay, if we got to. Yeah. Reversed roles in marriage can also produce turmoil in the home that can exasperate children. It's crucial for parents to work on making their marriage strong. The child is encouraged because your love for one another provides a peaceful, stable environment. Uh, Christian Living in the Home by Jay Adams is a great. Uh, recommendation for you, as well as uh, Waymax uh, Strengthening Your Marriage and Homework Manual for Biblical Living. Uh, The fourth sin of omission to avoid is not visibly showing love for your child. Not visibly showing love for your child. It's not only important to visibly demonstrate your love for your, your spouse, but you must also make sure there's no doubt in your child's mind that you love him or her. Don't hesitate to show your love through loving deeds, hugs, kisses on the cheek. And it's hard to imagine when when children are such a blessing, how a child could lack parental love that is demonstrated in both word and deed. How do you show that affection? How do you show that love? And yes, it may be different when they're three years old you know, compared to when they're 17 years old. But how do you still show them that you love them? And the, the fifth example of a sin to avoid as a parent. Not listening to your child. Not listening to your child. Not answering them. Not paying attention. Not letting them finish their statement. Man, that's an easy thing to, uh, to have happen where where you already know what they're going to say. You already know what they're going to ask and you finish it for them rather than allowing them to conclude it may not seem like that big of a deal, but it shows just like it would with us, a lack of respect, a lack of a lack of honor to even that individual. Parents must provide times for their children to speak. Look for opportunities to ask their opinion about decisions which which need to be made. Whenever you can, act on their suggestions. Seek seek what it is that maybe they they're concerned about. Seek what it is that that maybe they would like to do or what they would like to see or what they would like to read, what they would like to listen to. Give them those opportunities. Obviously, balancing that is important, too. Well, so far in this lesson, we've pointed out sins of omission. In other words, what uh, parents have not done, and as a result, they provoke their children to anger and exasperation. But the concluding list and the lesson gives an examples of what, we, um, what, what not to do. And these represent sins of commission, which can exasperate your child and lead him to angry, wrathful lifestyle. What parents do that can provoke and exasperate children? Number one, being an angry person yourself. Being an angry person yourself. This is key. Uh, you are an angry person yourself. You you may very well drive your child to hopelessness and despair. Sinful anger is an is an expression of pride, selfishness in the heart, and it includes obvious or overt anger. Obvious or overt anger. Scripture speaks about uh, sinful anger. Proverbs nineteen: anger bears a penalty, and it is repetitive. Proverbs 20, anger is foolish. Any fool will quarrel. Proverbs 22, anger is a bad example. Don't associate with angry people. Proverbs 25, those with no self-control are weak, easily overtaken. Parents must never discipline in anger. Go back to lesson number four where we spoke about that. Disciplining in anger is such a dangerous thing for us to do. Avoid abusive words or tone of voice. That's, a, that's a, a big one that we have to be mindful of. Oftentimes we think, well, I didn't say this or I didn't use that word. Or, but oftentimes we don't consider the tone of our voice. Ephesians four twenty six through 32 helps us keep a right mind about that. Discipline and sinful anger can certainly lead to physical abuse. And this is discipline with selfish motives of, of I'm, I'm bothered, I'm upset, and now I'm going to express it in this way as a result because now I'm upset and this is how it's going to come out. It's, it's always dangerous for us to do that. Again, you go back to lesson four where we, we, we talked about that at length. There's obvious and overt anger. Well, let's look at subtle anger. Subtle anger. These, um, these, uh, this, this subtle anger is often referred to or called grouchiness or being given to irritableness. Grouchiness. Man, how many of you say I'm just having a grouchy day or there being a grouch? Um, yeah, that, that, that is an easy way to kind of uh, sign off on our sin and to not call it what it really is. You are nice at work because you have to be. But then at home, it's a different situation. You know, the, the, uh, the picture of the mom or the dad who is, is great at, at work. Everything seems fine. And then at home, they're just a grouch. They're a grump. Everything is, is irritable or irritating to them. And then the phone rings, and they pick it up, and it's like the, the, the switch is flipped, and, and they're a whole new person somehow. Kent Hughes Only the Lord knows how many children have lost heart uh, have lost heart because their fathers have had hard days Only the Lord knows how many children have lost heart because their fathers have had hard days There's a cartoon that illustrated this uh, the boss is grouchy to his employee who in turn comes home and is irritable with his ch- uh, child his son, in turn, kicks the dog, and the dog runs down the street and bites the first person he sees, and that's the boss. Friends, it, it, is, it, is, it becomes an infection. We parents must never let our pressure drive us into this unhappy cycle, and the costs are too high. This sinful anger includes critical spirit, constant fault-finding, and a constant reign of criticism. We're really, uh, to, to be a thermostat, not a thermometer, when it comes to the situations in, in our own life. The thermo- the thermometers uh, only react to the environment they're in. And thermostats, on the other hand, actually control the environment. If you need to know more about that, you can talk to Mr. Neal right here. <laughs> Which kind of, re- of person are you? Your family is affected by your own sour attitudes? You cannot encourage your child if you are usually angry. You don't allow uh, don't allow your moods to dictate your actions. Your moods should be more and more conformed to the character of Christ. You don't want to ever uh, hear from your child, I want to ask you something, but you are in such a bad mood. You need to be approachable. You need to be approachable. Don't be... The one who just reacts because this is the day that you've had. And then you write it off as such. In your efforts to establish a quiet, well-ordered home, don't go to such an extreme that one question from your child just disrupts everything. Be willing at times to answer questions, help on projects, teach skills. And friends, this is, this is where having both parents as much as possible present is so crucial. Because if you if you are not both present, which I know that's not possible all the time, but if you are not both present, it is so easy for one of you to become exasperated, for one of you to become angered because you are dealing with that whole entire scenario. It still does not um, write it off uh, if you are acting an, in sin, if you are acting sinfully. There's no excuse. Um, there's an uh, appendix number seven, an essay on irritability. Read it. Um, <laughs> exaggerating. Exaggerating. This is something else that we do. Um, this is especially a problem in regards to the child's behavior. For It's really a form of deceit adding to the truth. You never do anything right. I've told you a million times. How many times are we going to go through this? It's exaggerating. It may seem in your mind at the moment that that is the case. But this kind of response on the part of the parent can produce hopelessness in a child. It says this is who you are and you can't be any different. Where are you giving them hope? Where are you giving them hope? Instead, look for their success. Encourage them. Your children should hear, thank you. Good job. And not just every once in a while, but often. Often. This encourages the child and gives him courage to try new things with confidence to continue in what is right. Another one is living vicariously through your children. James 3.16, don't allow yourself to be motivated by selfish ambition. Philippians 2, consider others more important than yourselves. Parents can put unrealistic expectations on the performance of their children. Friends, it can go all the way down to how your child does on a book report in their classroom. It doesn't have to be how well they perform on the athletic field. It doesn't have to be, you know, whether they got all straight A's during the school year. It can go down to the very the fact of, of wow, how could you have done so poorly on that spelling test? Or, I can't believe you treated uh, your teacher that way. That's so um, embarrassing to me. Are you living vicariously through your children? Well, I think that can go the other way, too, give them maybe things
1: that you didn't have or oh, sure. on the other side. I'm like, oh, I never got to go on vacations, or I never got to do fun things. So okay. I'm constantly
0: going to give fun things. And, you know, oh, so- yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Romans 5.8. Christ's example of sacrifice for others is our model to follow and not li- living for selfish interests. Performance-based love is living for selfish interests. And the, uh, the pressure that comes from your expectations can greatly discourage a child. What are you setting your child up for? Are you the one that's, that's setting the tone uh, through your vicarious living in them? What about humiliating them? We're going to finish with this, uh, these couple of things. Four, five, six, seven. Uh, humiliating them. It is seldom edifying to excessively scold your children and never edifying to, uh, to yell at them in front of others. In addition, nothing should be said that would embarrass them in front of others, including other family members. Your humor might bring them down instead of build them up. It's devastating to your young child when you laugh about negative things in the top context of instruction. The child knows you are trying to hurt them, so be careful about using sarcasm or making fun of your children. Whenever you are willing to mock your child for his failures, you are telling your child that it's not important for you to consider his thoughts or his feelings. When you are reciting something they've done in order to demonstrate how terrible it was, their speech, their facial expressions, don't exaggerate it, in order to make them feel more guilty. It frustrates them, especially when they know you don't exaggerate your own fault. In fact, they may have observed you trying to minimize them. (laughs) Ephesians 4.29 says, Be sensitive to the needs of the moment. Protect their reputation. Don't tell all their secrets. This will encourage them to trust you. Don't humiliate them. So easy for us to do. Pastor Farrell said this morning, Our tongues have great power, the power to break down, to kill. Living hip, uh, hypocritically. Parents are not called upon to be perfect, but there must be a level of integrity visible to your children. Saying and teaching one standard, but then living another, is overt hypocrisy. And children at some point notice. You know, seek with God's help to avoid examples of hypocrisy, like an unwillingness to admit wrong, maybe destructive pride, lying. Uh, you know, a pattern of commitments not kept. Yeah, we're going to do that. Don't 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 worry. We'll we'll get to that, or we won't do it right now. But let's do it later. Unforgiveness, even though you expect them to forgive others. You hold a grudge against someone else and they very well know it. All this destroys trust. Instead, encourage your children by admitting when you are wrong. Let them know that you make mistakes. This helps them understand that you too were in need of a Savior. It is, it's good for our children to see that we actually have been sinners at one point in our lives. Keep your word. Be quick to forgive. You want your lifestyle and Christian testimony to be one of predictability. Also, changing rules. Rules may need to be changed based upon environments, context, and age of the children. But changing rules without a stated cause can exasperate a child. Again, that inconsistency that we spoke about. Make sure your child knows what to expect, what exactly is right and wrong. And your efforts to be dependable will encourage them. What about being unjust? Being unjust. Injustice also includes never rewarding. Give praise where it is due. Being unfair to our children. for uh, Favoring one child over another. Making comparisons. Never praising a child when he or she has done uh, what is right. Never taking note of efforts above and beyond the call of duty. These are all examples of injustice which can provoke a child to anger. And last, we'll finish with this, uh, expecting perfection. Expecting perfection. This is where we've set ourselves up and set up the child for failure. Expecting perfection. Perfectionism is, is different than pursuing excellence we want to teach our children the importance of living up to the abilities God has given them, and that is striving for excellence. But we are not all alike. Some people are more gifted than others. So it is very, uh, uh, so it is very frustrating to a child. It is easily, A child is easily angered to think that he has to be perfect or that he has to live up to a standard which is not able to be met. You know, children should be expected to grow. Uh, they should be expected to grow in their diligence, their discipline, but, but this process must be met with a, uh, a great deal of patience. It's most unfortunate for a child to, to think that nothing he has ever done has pleased his parents. This is another example of performance-based love. You show approval only when the child has lived up to the standards you have selfishly created. On the other hand, your, your contentment with God's plan for your child's life and with his God-given abilities will help keep you from being impatient and therefore exasperating him. In a general sense, perfectionistic parents allow uh, an unpleasant atmosphere to permeate their home. There's no allowance for mistakes or failures Instead of a home that is is filled with joy, there is an oppressive negative atmosphere and sinful choices by your children definitely need to be dealt with. But make sure there is a visible end to the consequences with the home thus returning to a pleasant atmosphere of peace and tranquility. The home is where failure should provide a great opportunity for training, where encouragement and support flourish, and and, uh, there's the ability to see the lessons of life and clarity. Otherwise, you, you may drive your child to hopelessness and despair. So, are you ready to be a, a parent of encouragement? A lot of things for us to put into practice here and to hopefully begin to weed out of our lifestyle as well. You know, how, do we, how do we respond? What do we say? We're all either building one another up or we're tearing each other down in the relationship with our children. A relationship that can last a lifetime that's why this is a parenting for life class and parenting is a great responsibility but it can also be a great blessing as well let's pray father thank you for uh, these truths lord it's it's a humbling task and uh, it's a weighty thing to consider these realities of of how we have acted how we have responded father so selfishly at times um we are not considering our actions we're not considering um what it is that we do that truly rather than spurring our children on to love and good works rather than building them up father we are just setting them up for failure help us to be consistent help us to be faithful to the principles that you have presented to us clearly lord help us to um to, to be those examples of faithfulness to, to love them rightly to, to correct them rightly but to balance that with the right relationships that you have instructed us to do help us to love our spouses well before them and to be faithful in being present and to be committed to loving our children to showing that affection that love um, in physical ways to, uh, to, be, to do that tangibly Lord not just to uh, shower them with, with gifts and, 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 and be, um, Father, uh, blessing them in abundance to the point to where we spoil them. But, Father, uh, help us to love them in, in the appropriate ways, to, to show kindness and gentleness, uh, to give extend forgiveness, to ask for forgiveness. Thank you for your example that you have even lived for us. May we follow that each and every day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.